All right, before today's show, I want to talk directly to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I know you're out there. I see you out there. You want to start your business. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what pieces are missing. You're not sure how to find deals. You're not sure how to raise money. You're not sure how to structure your business. Who's supposed to be in it? What do they do? What are the roles involved? And how does that all work? And how do you scale it eventually? Well, listen, I've got you covered. I know this is a huge problem and I know you're struggling with it. And I have a solution. It's called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. It's a program that I put together. It's four weeks and it's designed to quickly get you off the starting blocks and get your business off the ground and running with a plan, a blueprint of how to create that business and turn it into something that gets you to your goals. If you want to find out more, it's Starting soon, you can go to Business Fast Track Blueprint. Go there, check it out, businessfasttrackblueprint.com. Sign up, be there. I want to see you on the inside of this program. I want to help you get your business off the ground and get you off to the races in 2021. Go check it out. Think about what your goals are and then suit the avenue that you take or the the strategy that you use to to get into real estate have it match your personality but also your goals so that's that's what i can say about that you're listening to the just start real estate podcast if you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers you are in the right place and now your host mike simmons all right. Thank you for joining me on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you being here, guys. We've got another great Q&A for you today, and I am really stoked to bring you this one. There was a lot of interaction, a lot of participation by folks on the call live, and you get to benefit by hearing it after the fact if you weren't able to make it. But I encourage you guys on Wednesday nights on Facebook, search for Just Our Real Estate on Facebook, hop on the page. We start at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 p.m., Pacific, and you can get your questions asked live and in person by me. Uh, but if you can't make that for some reason, Thursdays, I do a replay of those Q&As because I think they're so valuable. And on this one, we talked about converting homes into Airbnb. We talked to, about uh, flipping versus wholesaling, uh, advices on getting funded for your ventures. Uh, what What is the paperwork needed for private money? What kind of paperwork do I need? Uh, how do I keep my investors' money safe? Just tons of questions of finding uh, apartment complexes, just tons and tons of stuff. It was an action-packed episode, an action-packed Q&A, and I have it for you right here. Guys, I am also now, for the first time ever, offering my own program. It's called the Business Fast Track Blueprint, and if you go to businessfasttrackblueprint.com, you can check it out. I want to see you in there. I'm helping tons of people. I want to help you this year. It's not too late. 2021, we're still in the middle of it. There's still plenty of time to go out there and go after it and make some money, start your business, or take it to the next level. I've helped so many people take their business to the next level, and I would love to help you too. All right, guys, let's dive into today's Q&A. All right, guys, here we are. We're back again on a Wednesday. Uh, you all know if you're here now, you know we show up every Wednesday at 7 Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Pacific. And uh, I'm here to answer your questions. Um, let me just open up my browser here so I can see what you guys are saying. Okay, awesome. Here we go. 
So I do this every Wednesday because as some of you know, if you're watching this, you might follow me and you might know I have a podcast and I, I interview a lot of really cool people on my podcast and we talk about a lot of great stuff and there's tons of information shared. And I think it's hugely valuable for anyone who listens to it on a regular basis, but I also know it's not interactive. I get that. Um, you guys don't get a chance to ask questions of my guest or me. Um, it's just like one way communication, which is, which is great. That's what podcasting is. But I do this because I want you guys to be able to jump on here live and ask questions and get questions, get answers to the questions that you have. Uh, because I know that no matter how hard I try and no matter how many guests I interview on my podcast, I'm not always going to get all your questions. I, I just, I know that's not going to happen. So uh, I wanted to create some kind of a platform and Facebook is a great place for it um, to answer your questions and just interact with you in a live setting. And, uh, and, and I've encouraged you guys to send in questions if you know you're not going to be here or if you'd rather just send them in beforehand you can do that. Uh, we get questions every every week and I, we go through those. And to be honest with you, we try to um, put together like, you know, questions that are similar um, so that sometimes uh, this ends up having a little bit of a theme. It doesn't have to, but if we can kind of stick to a topic, that's always sort of good too, because then we can really hammer out a lot of, a lot of stuff about a certain topic. But if you're on live and you have questions and you just want to ask me something uh, a little more random, that's totally fine too. You can do that. So that, that's what this is for. Um, if you want to check out my podcast, if you haven't uh, heard of it before and you're interested and you like consuming podcasts, it's called Just Start Real Estate, which actually is a shirt that I own. Just Start Real Estate. You can go there. You can search me in iTunes or Spotify, wherever you go for uh, for podcasts, and you can do that. Or you know, you can just log on here every week too, right? And you can get you can get me uh, directly uh, a little more one on one situation when you're asking questions. So that's cool. Also, I just want to quickly let you guys know, remind you, if you've never logged on here before, if you've never checked out this live, um, I have just recently finished putting together uh, a program that I am now offering to everybody. And it's a four-week program. It's a four-week course where you can work with me directly. Um, and it's called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. And the reason I called it the Business Fast Track Blueprint is it's really business. It's foundational business. It's how to start a business. And, and it can be real estate as a business, obviously. So real estate is, is absolutely uh, in, in the wheelhouse of what I can talk about. So uh, to start your business, or if you have an existing business and it just isn't going the way you want it to go, you can't figure out how to get traction. You're not really sure if you're doing something wrong, if there's something else you should be, you should be doing, and how do you hire? How do you raise money? How do you track number? Like All the things that you have to know as a business owner... I have learned these things and I've been teaching these things and I've worked with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs who are struggling in all phases of their business. And so I've learned not only what has worked for me, but I've learned and taught other folks how to do it too. And I see what's working for them. And all of that knowledge has, has led me to put together this four-week uh, program where I'm going to help you either get your, your business off the ground and and get the foundation set and get you off to to the you know path of making revenue or we're going to help you take that existing business and really take it to the next level and and make it a bigger business if that's what you're trying to do. So if you want to check that out go to businessfasttrackblueprint.com and you can see all the information about how to get involved. So now that I've covered that, let's talk about the questions that we've gotten here as I'm waiting for people to fill in and ask questions here live. Um, 
I am going to just start with the questions that we get during the week. So I'll start right from the top here. Uh, somebody wrote in and asked, how do you feel about converting the homes you own <clears throat> into Airbnbs? It's a good question. We've actually talked about Airbnbs a little bit over the last um, several weeks that we've been doing this. And my general response, and actually, um, I, I have a daughter who's in, in real estate now. She just got into real estate, actually two of them now. Uh, one just recently got in. Um, and and uh, the one that's been in there for a while asked me, uh, what do you think about buying properties to use as short-term rentals for like Airbnb? Um, so this question, I've actually answered it recently. And I'll tell you what I told her is the same thing I'm going to tell you. I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I think there's uh, it's a really great opportunity right now because of the year that we went through in 2020 and then kind of spilling into 2021. Uh, people are starting to think maybe they feel more comfortable, not everybody, but more people than were two years ago thinking they might want to rent an Airbnb as opposed to going into a hotel and kind of being crammed in with thousands of other people in close quarters and kind of sharing germs. Uh, a lot of folks are opting to go the Airbnb route, short-term rental route. And so I think it can be really, really great to convert the homes you own into short-term rentals. If it's allowed, if there's not an association or some governing body that says that you can't do it, but I think it's a it's a really really good idea. You just have to understand when you do that, an Airbnb is a different level of management and a different level of involvement than just like a normal rental. Normal rental, you rent it for a year. Um, other than collecting rent and taking care of maintenance issues here and there, um, which hopefully is very infrequent. There's not a lot of involvement or interaction with the folks in, in the situation that you have there. But with the Airbnb, it's it's a it's short-term rental, right? So it could be one, two, three, four, five days, maybe a week. And then it's turning over and you have to go in and get cleaning done and restock the supplies. And you know, in an Airbnb, you need to furnish it. And so it's a little bit more of an active investment than a normal rental, unless you hire a company to help you manage your Airbnb. And there are companies out there that specialize in Airbnbs. That's what they do. Um, typically, I think they charge um, 15 to 20% of your revenue. They're going to they're gonna hit you for that amount. But it's different than, um, it's different than a long-term rental where maybe a property manager might only take 10%, but they're not necessarily doing anything other than receiving rent and then paying, paying you the rent. Um, but an Airbnb manager is doing a lot more. They're, they just have a lot more activity. They're a lot more actively involved. People are coming into the house all the time. A lot of times there's questions and concerns and they can't get in and the code's not working and something isn't stocked or something isn't right. And, and then once they leave, somebody has to come in and clean and they have to check for any damages. <clears throat> so it's a lot more active. But to, to answer the original question again, I think short-term rentals, Airbnb is absolutely awesome right now. And I think that industry is growing. It's only going to become uh, more of a fantastic investment, in my opinion. I think more and more people are going to go to that. And so that's a good thing. I think the, the awareness of just being in close quarters with thousands of people in a hotel is going to hurt the hotel industry, <clears throat> but it's going to help Airbnb. So, uh, you know, the, the short answer is it's great. I think it's a fantastic uh, um, avenue to start going down if you own homes or if you want to get into that that space. I think um, Airbnb is an awesome, awesome uh, segment of our industry that's just going to grow over time. So I highly recommend it. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. 
All right, next question. How did you know uh, you wanted to flip houses over wholesaling or renting them out? Well, I didn't. I, I actually started flipping houses. Flipping houses is what I did for about the first half of my real estate career or my real estate journey. I did. I flipped houses. So that's what I thought I wanted to do. I didn't know what wholesaling was at all. Never heard of it. And rentals just seemed like too too much of a slow boat. You know, I, I want to get it. I wanted to get you know across the ocean, and I had the the choice of an airplane or a boat. And boats being rentals and airplane being flipping, I picked the airplane. I wanted to get there faster. I, I just wasn't really uh, of the mindset that I wanted a slow drip into my into my revenue stream. I wanted something a little bit more aggressive. So I went flipping. <clears throat> Like I said, I didn't know about wholesaling, so I, it wasn't even an option for me. Now, since then, over the last 13 years as a whole, that I, or 14 almost, that I've been in real estate now, I have flipped, did that for six years. I have rentals and I do wholesaling. And wholesaling is far and away my main focus in my real estate uh, business. My rental portfolio is more personal. It's, it's, it's aside from my main business, I have rentals also. Um, full transparency, I'm in the process of selling my rentals. Honestly, I, I see an opportunity in the market where house prices are so high that in the rentals that I have are not typically the kind of uh, properties that are going to have super great appreciation. And so this like you know, hyper growth in the the value of properties that we're experiencing all over the country right now has caused me to realize that I am going to take this equity out by selling the house um, rather than watch it disappear over the next few years, which I, I think it will probably do. Um, I could be wrong, right? We don't have a crystal ball. We just kind of always use the best information we have available to us. And I really believe that these rentals are overpriced. They're a pre, they're a you know they're they're appraising, but I just think you know they've they've skyrocketed in value over the last couple of years. And my thought is I'll, I'm going to take that out. I'm going to sell my properties. I'm going to hold that cash and sort of wait and see what the what the market does. Um, now, if my goal was to buy short term rentals and Airbnb, uh, I might go ahead and do that because I think that you know capitalizing on that you know, the consumer desire to not be in a hotel right now would probably be worth paying a little more than I might have to pay in a few years for that same house. I'm not a big fan of waiting. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And so I'm selling my rentals because I want to do it. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see in a few years, but I'm doing it and holding on to that money. And if I see an opportunity, I can jump on it. Whereas back in 08, when I started my real estate, I didn't know what market we were in. I, I mean, I knew real estate was dropping in value, but I didn't really know exactly what to do about it. I didn't had no idea. And by the way, nobody was in my corner helping me. Like it was my wife and I, we were doing it together, but we were both pretty ignorant of what was happening and what we could do to maximize. Like I, I look back at that time and I just cringe at how little I did to really take advantage. But again, you don't know what you don't know, right? So Having somebody in your corner is huge. Having someone who's sort of been through the market cycles to help you navigate that and give you really, really good advice is critical. And not to go back to it, but that is another reason why I created my, my course, the Business Fast Track Blueprint, because I want people to understand the options in front of them with the market that we're in, with the market that we will be going to. Because by the way, the real estate market is cyclical. It will in fact go down again at some point. I 1000% I believe that. Will it crash like it did in 08? I don't know, probably, probably not. 
but it could, right? But there's, it always goes up and down. It just does. It always, always goes up and down on some level. And it will go down again, and it will go up again. Those things we pretty much know. So having someone in your corner who can help you navigate some of that and give you some really good advice about where you are and what you could do to, to capitalize on the situation you're in is why I started my course. So, um, so how, the question again, to go back real quick, how did I know that I wanted to do wholesaling? I didn't. I did flipping first. I tried that. Then I got into wholesaling and then I started buying rentals and I had sort of done all three. I like rentals. I think it's a good supplement to what I'm trying to do in my life, to the, to the businesses that I'm trying to create for the wealth that I'm trying to generate. Rentals are a good supplement and they have been a good supplement over the last several years. I'm selling them now. It's very likely I'll have rentals again. It could be short-term rentals. I don't know. But wholesaling matches my personality. And that's the bottom line. What do you want to do? Wholesaling, flipping, or long-term rentals or short-term rentals? You have to figure out what fits your personality and what you like doing and what really feels good to you. Wholesaling feels good to me because it's fast. It's very, very transactional. You know, We're in and out of properties within a few weeks. That really works for me. I like that speed. Um, and I'm willing to make just a little bit less to go a little bit faster. And that's what wholesaling represents for me. I think flipping is still great. I do it from time to time when it makes sense, but it's not what I'm trying to do. It's not my main focus. Um, but I think it's absolutely legitimate. If that's your temperament and that's the kind of um, investing in the kind of work that you like doing, like working with contractors, having budgets and timelines, and sometimes dealing with the cities, municipalities, and getting approvals and things like that. Listen, that's great. And that's where the most money is going to be made the fastest probably. Um, but it just it sort of, after a while, it, it grinded on me. I just wasn't enjoying it. And if you're not enjoying it, or at least if it's not tolerable, you're going to eventually stop doing it. And so I don't know that I would have stopped doing it, but I think when I found wholesaling, it felt more like home. It felt more like where I wanted to be. So that's why I, I do wholesaling. But I know people who do all three um, individually and love them, each one. And I know people who do all three at the same time and, and they're good at it and they love it. But I will say this uh, before I move on to the next question. I really believe that if you're going to, if you're just getting into this business, okay, let's just talk I'm talking to a beginner now, somebody who's just new. Do not try to do all three at the same time and grow all three businesses because they are three distinctly different businesses. There is some overlap, but it's not as much as you might think. So if you're trying to get into real estate, I highly suggest talking to somebody like me who's done all three uh, at, a, at a pretty high level and, and really figure out which one suits you the best for not only your personality, but for your goals. If you need to make $100,000 by the end of the year, don't do rentals because you will not make $100,000 by the end of the year in rentals unless you have the ability to buy hundreds of rentals like that, right? But my guess is if you need to make $100,000 by the end of the year, you don't have the money it takes to buy 100 rentals like that, right? So think about what your goals are and then suit the avenue that you take or the the strategy that you use to to get into real estate have it match your personality but also your goals so that's that's what i can say about that um next one let's see here next one any advice on getting funding for the ventures you want to take any advice on getting funding um yeah i i will say and i just i put out a um a social a social media post today on uh, on tiktok and uh, i think instagram too about this exact question. I'm getting a lot of questions lately from a lot of different places about funding and money. 
And I can tell you that funding for deals or funding for your business, whatever, is probably the number one hurdle or the number one challenge that I see people um, struggling with. And it's certainly one that I get asked a lot. I have been asked this question for every year that I've been in real estate. And early on, when I was sort of new and didn't really know what I was doing, I was asking the question and I, w- I was hearing other people in my, in my you know, social groups and, and real estate community asking the same. And we were all kind of asking that question. And then as I started growing and learning and, and my business started taking off, I realized money is not a problem. It, it's a problem for some people because they don't know how to find it or where to get it or what to say to find it or when you find it, how to talk to the person who has it. Like That's the struggle. It's not the fact that there isn't money available. It's just you don't see it, right? It's, it's sort of like for the beginning investor, money's all around you. You just don't see it. It's sort of invisible to you. But once you've found it and once you've figured out how to raise money, then you start seeing it everywhere. And you realize that money is abundant. It really is. Like money is so abundant. There is no no shortage of money to fund your deals. But unfortunately, we just live in a time where things come so fast and such immediate gratification that if it isn't like knocking on your front door, asking you to use it, then you just think it's not there. But it just takes a little bit of time. Now, the good news is, There are places to go to get funding for deals, specifically in real estate. There are places you can go to get funding for deals that don't necessarily care who you are. They don't care what your credit score is. They don't care that you've screwed up every business transaction you've ever done. What they care about is, show me the deal, show me the house. And if the house is worth the money you're asking to buy it and to renovate it, then we'll loan you the money. And so it's a very much of a non-personal, no relationship necessarily needed. You just go ask for the money, you show them what you're going to use it for, and they give you the money, right? I mean, there's a couple of steps in there, but that's essentially the relationship. They're called hard money lenders. And they're absolutely a legitimate source of funding when you're trying to find money for your deal. As you start getting into this business a little bit more, and you've been doing it longer, and maybe you have a little bit of a track record, and you feel a little more confident, you can start. You can and should start looking for private money. Now, you can look for private money day one before you ever do a deal. And I know plenty of people who have raised private money before they found success, and it's totally doable. But I think that most people lack the confidence to look for private money and to talk to people with who have private money, they lack the confidence to do it until they've done a few deals and now they feel like they're legitimate and they can actually ask someone or talk to someone about borrowing money. It's a, it's a mental thing. It's a mindset. It's a limiting mindset and it's absolutely false. But I, I understand. I understand why you think that. I thought that in the beginning. I actually got funding, private funding before I finished my first deal but it was because I was urged by a friend to get out there and start talking about what I was doing and that people would, uh, people would, would show up with money. It just will happen. It's sort of like magic, right? I mean, it's not. But I mean, we, the more you talk about what you're doing, the more likely you, it is that you will find someone who has money that is interested in working with you. And so somebody encouraged, a friend of mine encouraged me to do that. Like, hey, man, just get out there and like get on Facebook, start showing before and after videos, start talking about what you're doing. Like, 
get out there and tell people. And when I did that, people started coming out of the woodwork who wanted to work with me. So that's, that's the, you know, that's one of the ways to do it. But in the short term, hard money is legit. Like you can go get hard money and and fund your deals and get some experience. And then if, if that's what it takes for you to get the nerve up to go and talk to private investors, then you can, then you can do that. But that's something for sure. Uh, private investors, hard money lending, banks, mortgage companies, there's a lot of places that you can go to find money. And that's definitely one of the things I want to help you with. I know how to do this. I've seen it done. I've done it myself. I've raised millions of dollars. I know how to do this. And I know exactly what your questions are. Although I'll listen because you may have a new one, but I've heard it all. Uh, I had the same questions and I struggled with a lot of the things that I'm sure you're struggling with if you're looking for money. And I, I want to help you with it. So you can go check out my course and I can help you with that. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, boom. Okay. Um, next one. How, what paperwork is needed for private money? Okay. So we got a little bit of a, of a money theme here, a funding theme. So the paperwork needed for private money, there is no exact, there, there's no one size fits all. Some private lenders will have their own documents that they want you to use. Some of them won't have a clue what documents are needed. Um, and everything in between. But what I do and what I suggest, if you're going to uh, borrow money from somebody, two things that are fundamental that you should do, two, two very fundamental things that I, would, that I would highly suggest you do as far as paperwork goes, if you're borrowing money from somebody. Number one is you want to create a mortgage document or sign a mortgage document with them. Um, and that mortgage document needs to be recorded in the town or the county that you're going to be doing the deal. Uh, and it ties their money to the real estate. It ties their money to the house. So there's an actual hard asset that they are um, putting their money up. That there's a hard asset that their money is tied to, right? So if you get hit by a bus, you know, whatever, like the, they, they have some recourse of getting their money back. So that's that's important for you. It should be important for you as the borrower. And it absolutely should be important for the lender to have their money in a mortgage recorded so that it's recorded against the property that you are borrowing the money for, right? It just keeps helps keep their money safe. It's why, it's why real estate is one of the safer things that you can invest in because it's not a stock. It, it's not something in the ether. It doesn't just disappear overnight, right? It's a, it's a building. It's a structure. It's there the next day. Um, and that brings me to like, what happens if, you know, it burns down, like you should have insurance on the property that you're borrowing money for, and you should name your lender as additional insured. So you talk to your insurance company and say, Hey, I need to add someone as additional insured. And it should be the, the name of the lender or the lending company that you're working with, make them additional insured. Now <clears throat> their money is not only tied to the hard asset with, uh, as you know, that's, that's the collateral, but it's also insured against some catastrophe, right? The same reason why everybody gets insurance for their home. They are also assured to get their money back if something catastrophic happens to the house. The other piece of documentation that I recommend is a promissory note. And a promissory note, it really just outlines 
the terms and the payback, you know, agreement uh, for the money that you're borrowing. It's sort of like, you know, it's, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer guys, but it's essentially the terms and what you all have agreed upon in terms of when you're borrowing it, when you're paying it back, what are your payments going to be all this stuff, right? All of the terms and conditions of the loan go in the promissory note. And, and you should have that. I, and, and I think those three things, the mortgage, the promissory note, and, and naming the person as additional insured, those are the three things that I think are pretty much foundational. Like that, that's what you should do when you're borrowing private money. If the private money lender has other documentation that they want you to sign, um, then that's a discussion. And I think the one that might come up that's fairly common, although not everyone does it, is a personal guarantee. Because chances are you're borrowing this money in the name of your LLC. And so what a private lender may want to guard against is something happening and you dissolve the LLC and then you know, they, they don't have any way of coming in, coming to you to get that money, right? And not that you would do that. Hopefully you would never do that. But it, sometimes private lenders will want a, a personal guarantee. So you may, you may have to have that discussion with them. It really depends on, a lot of times it depends on their history and what's happened to them and things that have gone wrong, maybe where they feel like a personal guarantee is in their best interest. So it's, at, it's fine. It's legit. If you're going to pay the money back, what's the difference, right? You don't have to really worry about it. But they may ask for that. So that, that's the documentation that I would, um, that I would use. Um, another question here, how do, you, how do I make sure my, invest, my investor's money is safe? I kind of covered that in the last question. Um, you have a mortgage document that you record and also add them as additional insured on your insurance. And that, that should be plenty enough to make them feel comfortable that they're safe. Okay, Nathan asked a question. Um, here it is. Long question. We are primarily wholesalers, and I'm wondering how we value or dispose of a property we want to keep. How we value or dispose of a property we want to keep. My partner is not interested in keeping long-term rentals. What is your experience with valuing the property and structuring the deal? Do I have to give him a cash payout for his portion? So I understand. I was getting confused in the question, but I think I get it. So Nathan, you have a partner. You guys are wholesalers. They don't want to keep anything, but you found a property that you identified as a good long-term rental. And you want to you want to take that personally, but you want to compensate or figure out how to be fair to your partner. Um, great question. I have a partner in my wholesaling business and we frequently do this. So what we typically do is we list our property to our buyers. Like we we mail it out just like we would any other property that we found. We market it out to our buyers and we figure out what it would sell for if we sold it to one of our buyers. What's the most someone is willing to pay? And I mean, not like some half-hearted offer that someone throws, but like somebody who goes, looks at the house, they're, they're ready to sign the, the agreement, like a, a legit offer, right? And then we, we can match that. As, as owners of the company, we reserve the right to match the highest offer and, and take it down. Um, what you can do, depending on your agreement with your with your partner, is whatever portion of the profit that you would normally get, I'm assuming half. So whatever the, that profit would be, you could subtract that from the purchase price because that would that's money that would go to you anyway, or just do it like normal, right? Just you buy the property as if you're the buyer. Your company makes a certain amount of profit. You split it. You still get your money, right? So you can just run it through the normal channels. And that's exactly what we do in our business. We run it through the absolute normal channels. And whatever profit I would have gotten, I get that, right? So it sort of helps take the cost down of the property. 
Um, but, but that's how we handle it. Because if you don't handle it that way, there's a really good chance that your partner is going to have hard feelings because there was an opportunity to make money on this property. So um, that is, that is exactly what we do. We do it all the time. I bought 20 rentals using that exact same method, just put it out there and took the, uh, the highest and best uh, the highest and best offer. And, and I matched it or my partner uh, matched it and, and took the property themselves. And, and that's how it went. So um, a lot of my properties though, as a wholesaler, you probably know, depending on where you are, um, you might, you might realize that you, you have a good property that really would make a good rental, but for whatever reason, your buyers are not biting, right? In that case, um, usually what we do is we try to um, we try to come up with a fair profit margin for the property, or if literally nobody wants the property at all, then we'll just take it for cost, right? Nobody wants it. We wouldn't have sold it anyway to our buyers. And if that's the case, the company wasn't going to make money. We just buy it for whatever the contract price is. So it just depends on how hot the property is and how badly your buyers would want it and how much you would make. But I say, run it through the channels and just treat yourself as a buyer with the only difference is you see behind the curtain and you can pay whatever the highest offer was, you can just match it and take it, right? That, that's what we do. Okay. Uh, Angela asks me, I am struggling dealing with some of my contractors. <laughs> do you have any advice on building good relationships without getting taken advantage of? Um, so, you know, contractors are tricky. Um, it seems to me that most of them, even the good ones, will eventually shoot themselves in the foot. And if you're a contractor and you're listening and watching this, then and it's not you, then I apologize. But it's just what I've seen over the years. And it's what I've seen with my students. It's what I've seen with other uh, entrepreneurs, other investors that I've dealt with. Um, contractors tend to get themselves in trouble. They overextend. Um they run late, you know, just things happen and, and they end up flaming out. So how do you, I, I think a contractors are a little bit like, and this again, sounds crazy condescending. I get it. But contractors are like kids. You have to be firm with them, firm, but fair upfront. And if you're firm and fair with them upfront and you always do what you say you're going to do, and you always hold them to what they say they're going to do, then your relationship long-term will be much better. If you go into the relationship with a contractor being very generous, I don't mean generous with money, I mean generous with mistakes, overly forgiving, like kind of letting them run roughshod in the beginning because you're trying to be nice, they will see you as someone who is very easily stepped on and taken advantage of. And unfortunately, a lot of contractors will take advantage of you if you do that. But I think when you're firm and fair upfront, I think you have a much better chance of having a relationship that works. But the reality is for most of us, whoever your contractors are now, they will not be your contractors in five years. They might not be your contractors in one year. And I've heard many times people tell me, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. My contractor is different. He is awesome or she is awesome. Like they are just the best. I, I love them. They're always on time. They always do a good job. They're the greatest. And a year later, they're not using them anymore because it went south, right? So the way that you fix that is to be firm and fair up front. Um, always pay on time. Always do what you say you're going to do. Don't give them any reason to want 
to be less than um, uh, have, you know, have anything less than integrity with you, but just realize it's going to happen. And because it's going to happen, if I told you whatever job you have, you're going to get fired every six months, when would you start looking for a new job? Probably after a couple, three or four months, you would start looking for a, a job that you could go into when you got fired, if you truly were going to get fired every six months. So if I tell you a contractor is going to flame out on you every, let's just say once a year, the, the contractors are just going to flame out, you would start looking for contractors halfway through the year, somebody who could take the job over if your contractor flames out. I think that's the plan. That's, that's how you insulate yourself from getting really burned really badly by contractors is be firm and fair. You need to be on site on the job. I didn't mention that, but you need to be on location. Somebody has to be there looking at the work they're doing multiple times a week. Don't show up once a month and expect nothing bad is going to happen. It will. So show up once a week, twice a week, three times a week, every day if you have to, especially if you're new. Um, and always be developing contractors in the background. Always be talking to contractors and getting quotes, getting prices, walking them through your properties, getting to know them, creating a relationship so that you have this like, you know, to use, I always use a baseball term when, when I talk about this is you need to build a bench. You need to have a list of contractors that you are loosely kind of creating these relationships. So when your main contractor kind of does something flaky, you can call that person and say, Hey, I need your help. This, this project got behind, or I had to let my contractor go. Can you jump in and take a look? It's a little bit easier of a transit of a transition that way. Then your contractor kind of flakes out and you stick with them too long because you don't have any other options. Like that's the worst thing you can do. So firm and fair, be on site, go to the job often and build a backup team. Like start working on your backup team. That's my advice for how to deal with contractors. Um, Jamie asks, how can I find a small apartment complex? Um, a lot of ways you can do it, I guess. I mean, driving around and, and just writing them down and skip tracing and finding out who owns them is one way to do it. Um, you can use uh, list services. You can buy lists of people who own uh, multifamily properties and you can go that route, send them, send them a piece of mail, call them, um, send them a voicemail, whatever. I, I mean, you can find apartment, apartment complexes a lot like you find single family homes. You market for them. You market to the folks that are on record as owning these types of things. Um, but what I know a lot of people do is, is they, they frequently, they drive around in the area that they're interested in and they start writing down the, the uh, apartment addresses and calling and finding out who owns it and getting in touch with them. You don't even have to skip tracing. You can call and say, Hey, I want to speak to the owner. I'm interested in buying the, the property. So um, that, that's probably a great way to do it, especially if you're going to do it locally. Um, but if you're going to do it a little bit on a, on a larger scale, there's lists that you can buy just like a single family home. There's lists that you can buy to find these places. Um, I don't buy multifamily. I don't do multifamily right now. I should say, uh, it's not something I'm, I'm into, so I can't get super deep into the weeds with that. Um, but it's just work, right? It's marketing and it's just finding the places that you want to buy and find and being in the areas that you want to be and, and figure out who owns these things. It's a little bit more of, um, it's a little bit more guerrilla marketing than, than homes. I mean, you can get a list of 5,000 homes and just send a blast mail out to them, right? With, with, with multifamily, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, um, you know, you have to be a little bit more in the weeds, but, um, but a lot of these folks are, you know, longtime owners and tired owners, just like any landlord and, and they're willing to sell. So, uh, but I don't do a ton of multifamily. However, there is a multifamily event coming up that is, uh, 
to say exceptional and the people speaking to say they're exceptional would be a huge understatement. Uh, it actually starts tomorrow. And if you go to um, bestrealestateevent.com, you can grab tickets right now. It's a three-day event. Uh, and those folks are going to talk about specifically, how do you find multifamily? How do you find apartment complexes? How do you negotiate prices? How do you fund them? How do you get the work done? How do you manage them? How do you put that in place? Like everything, A to Z, they're going to talk about it tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. It's a three-day event. The tickets are insanely inexpensive. And if you go to bestrealestateevent.com, you can grab tickets right now. I'm going to be there, frankly, because although I don't do multifamily right now, multifamily is something that I am interested in and I want to get into before the end of the year. So I'm going to the event. I know the folks putting it on. Uh, I'm kind of involved loosely in the background, um, but I'm not running it. I'm not speaking at it because I don't have that level of expertise, but uh, it's called Multifamily Live. And if you go to uh, bestrealestateevent.com, you can grab tickets and I'll see you there tomorrow. I would highly recommend that you go or at least get tickets um, so that you can get the replays and stuff. So go, go grab those. I, I think it's a great idea. Okay. I'm not seeing any other uh, questions and I'm just going to ask my, uh, my assistant here. Is there anything else? If you can just let me know if there's something that I missed. Uh, but I think that's everything I have for this week. Um, yeah, I think we're good. I think that's the last question, guys. So listen, a couple of things. Uh, I've got a podcast called Just Our Real Estate. You can check that out. If you listen to podcasts, go and check it out. Uh, I think that uh, it's a valuable resource for you. Also, I have a program called the Business Fast Track Blueprint. I'm super excited about it. I'm super proud of it. And I know I am going to change some businesses and change some lives and make a huge difference in some folks uh, this year who signed up. So go and sign up. It's not too late. It starts uh, end of the month, uh, June 23rd. I believe it's the first, it's the, the start of it. Um, so go, go grab that, uh, go grab that spot now before there isn't any left. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Otherwise I will see you hopefully here next week at seven o'clock Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific, answering your questions. Come loaded with questions because I will stay on here as long as I'm getting questions. I will not leave any questions unanswered. And if you have questions and you send them via uh, email or, or direct message or whatever, I will we'll, we'll save them for next week and we'll do it next week. But I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. It's always fun. I have a, it's, I have a blast doing this. It's my pleasure. And I can't wait to see you next week. All right, guys. Until next time, we'll see you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.